this is Kyler Murray, and you're listening to 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. Nobody in this room is fast as this kid. He's like that little kid. You can't catch me. Allow me to reintroduce myself. My name is Snap to Murray, and he's going to keep it off the left side. He's at the 10, at the 5. He's in again. Some more Murray magic. Our guy is one of those that gives you a chance every Sunday, and at his best, you know, I don't know who's better in this league. Let's be the best. Let's go, baby. Let's go. Wolf and Luke talk Cardinals. Now. Yeah, look, we're going to talk about that game last night. We Every time we're about to talk about it, that crazy Monday night football game, well, if every time we're about to talk about it, something happens with the Suns today. So we are actually just going to be joined by Brock Heward uh, next segment to get into it. But Beautiful. The craziness of that game led to the Broncos losing, which led to Russell Wilson losing, and it led to this stat, which uh, is going to be viewed by quite a few Cardinals fans, I would say, as pretty telling, okay? 11 quarterbacks didn't play at all in the preseason. Didn't play at all. 11 starting quarterbacks yep. did not play did at not all. Did not play. Okay, okay. we're going to preserve these guys for the start of the season. Now, I still think that's different than the Cardinals. Cardinals didn't play anybody except Zayvon Collins that was going to start, basically. Uh, you know, Will Hernandez a little bit, too, and Marco Wilson. But this is specifically a quarterback stat. Russell Wilson was one of them that didn't play at all in the preseason. So after that loss last night, Quarterbacks who didn't play in the preseason went three and eight in week one. <laughs> three and eight. And um, okay, so a third of the league yep. basically did not play their quarterback in the preseason. And guess what? There were a lot of teams that didn't play a lot of starters either in the preseason. Yeah. Because there was this new age mentality, of course, about playing starters in the preseason. But I told, told not you every team did it. Three weeks ago, when I started to get nervous about the Cardinals not doing it, was when I saw the Chiefs playing their guys, <laughs> because that's who you're playing in week one. And so I'll go one step further with this list, because, okay, there's 11 quarterbacks, and, and they go a combined three and eight. Now, because our producer is Aaron Maloney, she went through and found every quarterback by name, okay? Right. So... I'll just read you the names. Kyler Murray, Russell Wilson, Matthew Stafford, Aaron Rodgers, Lamar Jackson, Derek Carr, Ryan Tannehill, Joe Burrow, Justin Herbert, Dak Prescott, and Kirk Cousins. So if you look, Some of the best of the best yeah. right there. No Patrick course. Mahomes, obviously. He yes. got in his reps. Thanks, no, Pat Patrick. said, you know what? I got to get out there. Uh, I got to get a little grease. Tom Brady got in his reps. Yeah, Tom Brady. So you've got these 11 quarterbacks. They go three and eight. Of the three wins, Wolf, yeah. two of them came against other quarterbacks on this list. <laughs> So it doesn't really count. That's what no, you're saying. I'm, I'm just saying, like, somebody had to win those games. So, like, your, your three quarterbacks that didn't play in the preseason but then won in week one, Kirk Cousins is one of them. Well, he, he beat Aaron Rodgers. So does that does that really do anything for you? <laughs> Justin Herbert was one of them, but he beat Derek Carr. Yeah, right. So the only quarterback on this list that didn't practice at all or didn't play in the preseason and actually got a win in week one was Lamar Jackson. But he was playing the Jets. <laughs> so that almost counts even less. <laughs> Robert Sala be so PO'd at you right now. Are you kidding me? I should print him a receipt and send it out to New York. Yeah, this is um, this is really fascinating to me right now. Uh, Three and eight in week one of the eleven quarterbacks that did not play in the preseason. I I wonder too. Wouldn't it be great if you you could break down and not pro football focus, of course, but break down uh, some of the tape out there for starters that did not play in the preseason as well, and whether or not they played or graded out high with their teams. Oh, I'd love to see that information right there, because there is this new age 
philosophy that has swept over the NFL that says, hey, listen, we have 17 games. There are 17 games in the regular season right now. These preseason games, you just you just can't play your starters. You can't risk it. You can't risk injury. And I understand that. I really do understand that mentality. I get that. Philosophically saying we just can't do it. Being the old school guy I am, I'm thinking this could change that viewpoint. Well, the Cardinals got the worst end of it both ways because they didn't, they looked rusty to me in the first half, especially the offense. Yeah. And all their guys are hurt. So you sit all your guys in the preseason so they don't get hurt, and everybody's hurt anyway going into week one. So to a certain extent, maybe you just can't avoid it. But <laughs> honestly, if I were if I were an NFL head coach, my philosophy on the preseason might very well be determined by what is the team I'm playing in week one doing? Because realistically, if you're going to be rusty from not playing in the preseason, it should only show up in week one. I would hope it, that shouldn't carry over to week two and week three. So if I'm the Cardinals and I know I'm playing the Chiefs in, in week in week one of the regular season, and I'm like, okay, we're all sitting, and I look over, and Mahomes is throwing 19 passes in week two of the preseason, <laughs> I might run some of my guys out there in week three. You know, honestly, right now, I'm just, I, I forget about that. I'm not going to worry about what my opponent is doing. I'm not going to worry about that. You know what I'm going to do? I, if I'm a head coach in the National Football League, I'm going to say, I need five reps out of you in all three preseason games. I need five reps out of you. You're going to get your five reps. That's what you're going to get right there. You got to go out and we got to play the game of football. And listen, if one of your guys get, if they get hurt in those five reps that they're actually out on the field, well, guess what? It was meant to be. Period. They're getting hurt anyway. They're going to, at some point, it's all right. Cardinals had 12 guys on the injury report last week going into week one. Now, why would you bring that up right now? Why would you just kick me right in the cradle and bring that up? But it helps you, though. It helps your argument. It's so true. Because if I'm an NFL head coach, you're right. If I'm going to run guys out there for five plays each preseason game and somebody gets hurt, everybody's going to be like, well, you ran him out there. Look, he got hurt. And if I'm that NFL head coach, I'm pointing to the 2022 Cardinals and saying, they didn't play anybody. They had 12 guys on the injury report going into week one. And I guess what I'm going to say, if I'm the head coach of an NFL team and you point that out, I'm going to say, guess what? Five reps. He's a football player. Go play. That's what football players do. And if they get hurt in five reps, so be it. Like it's said, not a safe game. Like you said yesterday, Kyler doesn't even have to be throwing passes in those five reps. It can be as simple as he's out there and he hands off five times. And it's just the reps for the offense in general. Nobody needs, nobody looks at the preseason and says, like, oh, Kyler needs this to evolve his game. It's how about we all get on the same page? Yeah. So there's not weird false starts or the defense can't communicate or they look lost. How about we just. Iron out all the the little details, which is why the preseason is there other than making money for the league in the first place. All right. We'll get back into this, I'm sure, in a little bit, Wolf. When we come back, what exactly happened in Seattle last night? Somehow the Seahawks are in first place. Brock Hewer joins us next. It's the Wolf yeah. and Luke Show on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. Wolf and Luke Middays, 98.7 FM, Arizona's Sports Station. All right, a crazy game in Seattle last night. Kind of got the feeling, even kind of leading up to the game, Wolf. It was, yeah, on paper, Russell Wilson, Denver, This some people consider them a Super Bowl contender. Okay, yeah, they should just go in there and handle Seattle, right? Certainly five minutes in, you're kind of looking around like, okay, this is going to be a different sort of game. Seattle gets the win. There's a lot of different angles to get into with on this uh, the way it played out. 
And right now joining us, uh, of course, uh, Seattle sports host and Fox college football analyst, Brock Heward, former Husky, former Seahawk, joining us right now on the Arizona Sports Line. Brock, how's it going today? Well, good good morning, good early afternoon, right around the corner, and it's a it's a night game, prime time. What else did you expect in Seattle? It's going to be it's going to be nuts. It's going to come down to a fumble. It's going to be a blade of grass. They're going to defend, you know, one inch from the goal line. How many times? Doesn't matter who the cast of characters is, right? Personnel has turned over a bunch. Just prime time in that building, uh, Luke and Wolf. It's just things like that happen. Yeah, Brock, thank you so much for joining us, buddy. Really appreciate your perspective on this. Just talk to me. What's the first real thought that you have about this matchup and what you saw last night? Yeah, it was the first thing was surreal, Wolf, to see a guy that we've watched for 10 years. Yeah. And, you know, people made fun of Salk and I a whole bunch because we, you know, built the House of Wilsonism, were his biggest fans, thought the world of him, uh, wanted him. When they started him, we defended him over and over and over. And to, to see the whole messy divorce the last year and a half, really, I mean, it was not just that one sudden day. The, the fractures have been growing. To see that then come to light to hear the cascading of booze which I, I had no problem with those are fanatics those are fans those are people that just are emotionally attached to the laundry that wears Seahawk uniforms in the to them the enemy came in they'll celebrate him he'll be in the ring of honor he'll be the hall of fame hopefully as a Seahawk one day we'll see what the rest of his career in Denver looks like but for that night man those fans were emotional uh, for me Wolf it was surreal to mm. see him in a different uniform competing against these Seahawks we're talking to Brock Heward. Uh, Brock, how how has the crowd received Geno Smith? Because Geno, I thought, was in the weirdest spot last night. He's sort of the forgotten quarterback in that game, but he's the quarterback of the home team. He played a great game. He had the quote mm-hmm. of the year afterwards when he said they wrote me off and I didn't write back. I mean, I thought yeah. he handled himself perfectly last night. Yeah, he did. I, I would say the fans are much more attached to Pete Carroll, much more attached to the, to the program overall, frankly, much more attached to themselves for being the 12s and the impact they play in that building. And every you know day following the game, Salk and I have a chance to talk to Coach Carroll, so we we just did about an hour ago and obviously he plays the tune he knows how to pull the strings of those 68,000 but there is no question no question the role they played five false start penalties discombobulated hard time communicating the game sped up on a first time head coach right in his decision making down the stretch and and they knew Russell and and Pete said they had a pretty definitive plan they didn't execute it obviously perfectly still threw for for 3 4 but he didn't make game-changing plays. He didn't get outside the pocket and, and find people too often uh, down the field. He nearly threw two interceptions that really could have changed the complexion of a lot of it. So uh, they were excited. The 12s were excited. How do they feel about Geno? Uh, that's very much a to-be-determined. I don't think anybody's going to crown him and say, yep, that's a repeatable performance, a one 18 QB rating or whatever it ended up at the end of the night. But protecting the football? You know, kind of going back to 2010, 2011, pre-Russell Wilson, the Matt Hasselbacks, the Charlie Whitehursts, the Tavares Jacksons. Hey, man, protect the football, play to the crowd, play to the run game, play to the defense. And if you do that, you give yourself a chance in this NFL, more often than not, to, to play a game that comes down to the final five minutes. So I'm looking at the Denver Broncos, of course, and to your point, they had 433 yards of total offense. They were moving the ball, yep. yet in the red zone, 0 for 4. I 
Talk to me about this Seattle defense and the changes that they have made. Yeah, they've gone they've gone the, the youth route, and they're going to play young people um, defensively. That may not show as up as much in the front seven as it does certainly with your corner. The Treak Woolen kid can just flat out run. Yeah. Uh, very low football IQ coming in, very very low. But the instincts have been kind of there, and they've grown those. And his just skill set is unique and different. So there's a lot of excitement about him. The two offensive rookie tackles. There's a ton of excitement about them. I thought they held their own and in fact the two sacks that the Gino took in the fourth quarter easily should have and could have stepped up into the pocket like he did in the first half uh, very very well uh, the red zone defense as you know Wolfman that field condenses the game gets played in a phone booth yes. things get sped up and the Seahawks got three huge walruses that are very tough to move and they bark pretty loud and Al Woods and his football pads is probably 300 and 55, 60 pounds and is a mountain of a man and was voted captain on this team for a reason. Shelby Harris, nine-year vet, is a good player. Came in the trade for for Russell Wilson. And then Puna Ford is like this 5'11". anvil that just like buries into the crown and E2, you can't yeah. move. So, yeah, those guys fortified the middle, stopped that run game, created penetration. There was enough speed you know, to pursue and and then the Denver Broncos are kicking themselves because, you know, that's how you lose on the road. Yeah. In the red zone four times, kick one field goal. That is a recipe for losing. We're talking to Brock Heward. Brock, it was a pretty crazy week across the entire NFL but specifically the NFC West. I'm guessing a lot of people didn't expect the Seahawks to be the only team with a win after Mm -hmm. week one. Uh, From what you saw from the other three teams, did anything stand out to you in particular? Well, the the Trey Lance and Jimmy G stuff is bizarre, and I know you all (laughs) probably talked about it as much as we did last week. Like, this just is not standard operating procedures. This is how you you start to tear apart uh, a locker room and belief and and confidence and everything else. It just doesn't, it just did not add up in any way. And and Trey, and it was wet and sloppy and terrible conditions, and I don't think he's going to be a 40 percent passer in the NFL anytime soon but but that's not that is not a conducive environment for a young quarterback to be nurtured and grow that is one that is much more built upon ripping up the roots and maybe sooner than later if he struggles again Jimmy Garoppolo will be back into the fold uh, I was listening to you guys previous segment the injuries there in Arizona are real uh, you know Luke and Wolf you're absolutely right you could try to oh we're going to protect guys we're going to put them in bubble wrap we're going to going to play them all preseason. It doesn't work. It doesn't work. You need to be calloused. And that showed up in Seattle. Seattle played Geno, played their rookies, played all those guys all preseason long. And and it helped in their evaluation of how they built their team. And it helped in their execution in that first half. And you can't convince me uh, otherwise. And the Rams, well, they played that same card. Yeah, we've been there. We've done it. We don't need to play. We're good. We don't need to hit. We don't need to go live tackling. Uh, Yes, you do. Football's a different game. It's a violent totally game. Totally agree. And, and I thought that showed up in this division maybe more than anywhere else across the league. Yeah, don't get me sidetracked, Brock, okay? I mean, honestly, <laughs> because I totally agree with you right there. Listen, Nathaniel Hackett chose the second longest field goal in NFL history over putting the ball in Russell Wilson's hands on fourth and five. Were you shocked on that? Ludicrous. Absolutely. <laughs> Thank you. Ludicrous. Thank you. You've done games for a lot of years, and on our TV broadcast, Wolf, we will always ask the coaches one of the final questions in our production meeting. Hey, what, what is the line you need to get to? You know, where, where, where do you feel good? End of game, overtime, you know, what, what, what is the range? And it can change, and so we always check in on game day if there's, you know, wind or rain or weather variables. 
But I have never and will never, ever, ever, ever in my lifetime <laughs> hear a coach say, yeah, you know, our line is left hash 46 to kick a 64-yarder. <laughs> and if anybody believes that is truth, you are from a different planet. That was that was insane. The numbers bear that out, too. Uh, McManus is now one for eight in 60-plus kicks. And, and those are at altitude, not sea level, not kicking to that end zone, which you have seen a ton, Wolf, and calling yep. games, which is difficult to do. And the percentage for fourth down conversions of fourth and five, I think, is around 50% in the league. Russell in those situations have been much higher than that. It was it was ludicrous and played right into the hands of the Seattle Seahawks. Brock, great stuff, man. We appreciate the time today. Thank you. You got it, boys. Be well. Love your stuff, Brock. Thank you, brother. Thanks, Wolf. See you guys. That's Brock Hewer joining us right there on the Arizona Sports Line. Yeah, the end of that game. I'm sure Nathaniel Hackett would, would do it over to not only run out 35 seconds before deciding, okay, and I don't want Russ to have the hand the ball in his hands. I want to just kick a 64-yarder. Listen, you know, I, I, don't, I do not question a lot of the coaching decisions that actually happen in a football game because these guys, they, they, they talk about this stuff. They sit around, they, they come up with situations and circumstances that might arise in a game. They talk about all of this, and yet at the same time, that was one I just did not no, understand I, I, I at think, all. I think the moment your first game as, a, as an NFL head coach in that environment, you should have been up by 14 already anyway if you could have executed inside the one yard line um i think they just i think they we need to talk a little bit more about that we're going to talk a lot more about that uh, for sure text us your thoughts to the fanduel text line at 620 620 right now we come back after watching the tape how correctable are the cardinals errors from week one that's next it's the wolf and luke show on 98.7 fm arizona sports station Hi, this is Evan Collins. You're listening to 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. I've seen a lot of maturity, taking ownership of things, demanding things from others, not suggesting things, I would say. Great open field tackle by Zayvon Collins. He read it, he trusted, and he made the play. When he fires and he's not thinking, you can see that athletic ability and that size really on display, and then he just has to keep doing that. Let's go! Let's go! Wolf and Luke talk Cardinals now. Wolf, here we go. Now that you have had a chance to really break down the film, I want to get your thoughts on on your second glance at that game. This was Cliff Kingsbury on with us yesterday when uh, he did his exclusive one-on-one that he does with us uh, every Monday after the uh, the games during the season. This is what he had to say about looking at film week one. Yeah, I, I think that is um, you know something that can be used throughout the season, but week one, there's, there's so much to be uh, learned. I, I think even in a tough loss like that where, where nothing seems to... Um, work uh, or you don't execute the way you want to. So we're, we're going to watch the film and um, try to make a big jump from week to one to week two, and, and we, we need to. Uh, it wasn't good enough yesterday on any level, and coaching and playing, and, and uh, we got to be a lot better. That, that's the biggest thing, right, Wolf? I mean, we can sit here and we can, you can do all the hand-wringing of should they have added more guys in the offseason? Should we have seen this coming? I think, you know, a lot of people expected a version of that from the defense in week one. You can get all frustrated and all that stuff, but the bottom line is you are 0-1. There are 16 games remaining. 
you need to salvage this and yeah. turn it around. You absolutely can if you go out there. I imagine how different the narrative is around this team if they go out there and beat the Raiders on Sunday. Yeah, no, no, there's no doubt about it. And that's something that Cliff was talking about as well, the the improvement from week one to week two. There's a lot of teams right now that are saying that. A lot of teams in the NFL that are saying that. Now the, the 49ers are one of those teams saying that right now. The Indianapolis Colts, I think, would be saying that mm-hmm. as well. Listen, we're this is not who we are. We're going to be much better than this. And, you know, I look. Um, here's here's the stat I came up with yesterday during that game. Playoff teams from last year, five and nine in week one. Wow. Really? That's absurd, isn't now, it? Now, there it is, right? That I mean, that is the NFL once again. Yeah. That is the NFL in the year 2022 of our Lord, ladies and gentlemen. That is the NFL. That's the way week one is going to go because of what's going on in preseason. I, I, I'm convinced of this. Yeah. The lack of actually, t- the, the lack of hitting, man, the lack of playing football in preseason and in training camp, I think all over the league, it's one of the reasons why we see this. Well, because you see, and you saw it over the last few days, you see some teams, I think we saw a version of it last night, like Brock Ewer just said, Seattle looked like they've been practicing and playing preseason <laughs> games. They looked like they had already played a game. Whereas Denver was kind of like, okay, wait, hold on. What do we do here? We get down around the one and then we just fumble? Is that the plan? Like, I think we saw a variation of that across the league to the point where you see teams that aren't as good. That's their best chance to pull an upset. Yeah, there's no doubt. But watching the tape, once again, um, the offensive line, I was talking about this yesterday, my brothers. I thought this game was lost on the line of scrimmage on both sides of the ball for the Arizona Cardinals. All this talent, all the skill that is out there on the field uh, for for the Cardinals on offense and even in the secondary with Buda Baker, of course, and Jalen Thompson and Byron Murphy, all the talent that they actually have. Isaiah Simmons, the raw dripping talent of Zaven Collins. You can see these guys, and yet it was the line of scrimmage and the breakdown of the line of scrimmage on both sides of the ball that I think cost the Arizona Cardinals the game. The Kansas City Chiefs could run the ball. They dominated. They could run it and seem to run it at will. And that opened up the entire playbook to them. And then on the other side, the Arizona Cardinals never got it going. They never got the running game going. Kyler Murray, yeah, Kyler Murray pulled it down. He ran the ball a couple of times. He was the leading rusher for the Arizona Cardinals. Once that happens, you know there's trouble on the horizon. And protecting Kyler Murray was the issue. And... Generally, the offensive line didn't do a good enough job in protection. But can I also say that, and I I hate saying this, but Sean Harlow really struggled. And Sean Harlow, it's a little unfair to actually say because he's playing guard as opposed to center. Sean Harlow is a center. He's more center than he is guard by far and away. Um, Rodney Hudson actually played okay. Uh, There was the, the very first... A passing attempt that Kyler Murray tried to throw the ball from the pocket. And then all of a sudden you had Chris Jones splitting Sean Harlow and Rodney Hudson, splitting them both. That was bad because it kind of set the tone for what we saw the rest of the game. And um, Sean Harlow's got to play a lot better. I'm not trying to call him out. There have been many games, my brothers, many games. I, I sucked. I'm not even going to say buttermilk. I'm just going to say I sucked many games uh, in my 10 years of playing in the NFL. 
Um, I struggled a lot of the time. Sean Harlow definitely struggled. Needs to get better going forward. Let me ask you this, too, since you've now rewatched it and you've rewatched the uh, the film. Zayvon Collins, Isaiah Simmons, most of the focus was, okay, is Zayvon Collins ready? He was getting the reps in the preseason. Is he ready? And then last week on the show, more and more, you and I, Wolf, were talking like, okay, if you're asking Isaiah Simmons to wear the green dot on top of everything else, are you asking him to do too much? Should you at least get him some reps in the pre Whatever. When you re- went back and rewatched those yeah. two, and again, I'll tell you my feelings on Isaiah Simmons. I think this guy has it, and I think he's going to put it all together. But he did not have a good week one. Did he look any worse in the film? Better? Anything? He, yeah, he he did. I love Isaiah Simmons. I'm with you on this one. I think Isaiah Simmons is going to be a great player. I still do. But he did not play great on, on Sunday. He did not. He did not look like Isaiah Simmons to me. On Sunday, he he looks stiff. It's for Isaiah Simmons, a guy that is a supreme athlete, to actually look stiff. Uh, you know, think of the interception. The, the drop and they interception just boom, was so weird. Right off his hands, you know. It looked like they pulled somebody out of the crowd for a contest, and they were like, if you catch this, you win $10,000, and they were just nervous. Not That's not what you expect from Isaiah Simmons. You know, once again, I am an Isaiah Simmons fan, uh, but but he did. He looks, he looks stiff. His technique was awful. On some place, absolutely awful. I did not understand what I was seeing right there. As a matter of fact, I was more encouraged with Zayvon Collins when I'm watching the tape. Asian onions. I'm more. He didn't do everything right. He he made mistakes. He looked confused from time to time. There was a lot of jawing going on at the second level and a lot of pointing. But he showed improvement, man. He showed improvement. He used his hands better. And he actually made some plays. And um, I I was encouraged by what I saw from Zaven. And he played a lot. And this is this was one of the things I wanted to see more of out of Zaven in preseason. Just getting comfortable with where his eyes are. And you can still see it. His eyes are all over the place. And he's really got to improve that. You know how you do that? Reps. Live reps. Well, so I'm playing. encouraged. He he played in the preseason. <laughs> like I did did not expect to be here after week one. Hearing, I told you I would have played him forty reps a game in yeah. the preseason. <laughs> go off, go on, I big think guy. He would have done it too, based on our our one conversation with him during camp. But the bottom line is, he at least was playing in the preseason, <laughs> and so he kind of went through the motions of okay, I'm getting ready for this game, and I'm going to play the first quarter or whatever. Right. Um, you know, and see, he's still a work in progress as well. But those those guys are the. Uh, they're the turning point for this defense. I got a lot more on that the next time we talk. Yeah, we'll get back talk. into that later on in the uh, in the show for sure. When we come back, a wild week one is in the books. It's not just the NFC West where things were crazy. We're going to go around the league rapid fire style next. It's the Wolf and Luke Show on 98.7 FM Arizona Sports Station. Wolf and Luke Middays, 98.7 FM Arizona Sports Station. That football music, of course, means football things are about to happen here in this football part of the show. Somebody pass the mouth guard. We're going to go. <laughs> pass the mouth Where is it? I stop it. Next. Do Probably I need to buy one? Please. I'm, no, I'm going to. I'm, I promise. I'm surprised you don't have, like, a, in case of emergency, break glass mouth I, guard. You just hit it with a little It is hammer. a major failure on my part. There's no doubt. Nobody's don't judging. rub it in my face. 
place. Uh, let's go around the NFL with some of these crazy games that happened this weekend. Let us start with the Browns and Panthers. Uh, Cleveland gets the 26-24 win. Uh, I gotta say, Wolf, I don't know why. I don't care about the Panthers or the Browns, really, but I, I was I was all in. I told you. I told you I was going to be in the press box watching this game on one of the TVs, and I was before the Cardinals game. I wanted Carolina to win this game. I know for the Cardinals it probably doesn't even make sense because if Carolina puts together a good season, it doesn't look like they're going to. But if they did, that's another team you have to contend with. Uh, but they lose by two. Yeah, you know, for me, honestly, I was absolutely shocked that the Cleveland Browns won this game. I mean, on the road against Carolina, in Carolina, Baker Mayfield Baker Mayfield up and down for the whole game. And yet somehow, some way, Jacoby Brissett actually led this team to a victory. Week one, only the Cleveland Browns in week one on the road with Jacoby Brissett would win a game. <laughs> that, to me, I did not see that coming. Did you see that coming? No, I mean, it wasn't like a shocker compared to some of these oh, other ones. Oh, no, that, that to me was a shock. Well, because how many years are we into the Matt Rule era in Carolina? I still can't figure out the Panthers. When, when they have healthy Christian McCaffrey, they should be winning pretty much every game. And so that, to me, is a wasted opportunity by Carolina on Sunday because you don't know how many games you're going to get this guy for, but he played and scored on Sunday and they still couldn't beat Cleveland. The only thing I want to say, 217 yards rushing by the Cleveland Browns. That's the reason why I thought Carolina had a chance to win, a a huge chance to win, because there's no way a one-dimensional Cleveland Browns team was going to be able to run over, and they did. How about uh, the Bears beating the 49ers 19-10? to It's a fun game just because of the weather. Uh, and Chicago gets the, I think, stunning win. This is Kyle Shanahan afterwards. His thoughts on Trey Lance. Uh, you know, I thought he did some good things coming out. You know, I thought everything was pretty smooth from the beginning. Um, you know, I th- would have loved to hit him on that one down in the red zone that we had Croft. Uh, but he came back and made a big play the next series. Um, thought he did some good things, but the way it got there at the end, um, everything kind of fell apart there. I wonder how much pressure Kyle Shanahan feels on this simply because, Wolf, they already had a good team. This was his guy and his move, and it's one game. That's fine. Yeah. But when you you know, if, if San Francisco goes out there and loses next week, too, their schedule then gets dramatically more difficult. We looked at this a few weeks ago. Like They have those first two games, Bears-Seahawks on paper, that you figure, okay, we'll win those games. But then they get Denver and the Rams. I'm assuming Denver will be better in a couple weeks. And then the Rams. I mean, that's, you know, if you're Trey Lance and you and the 49ers start 0-3, even Brock Heward, when he just came on earlier this hour, said exactly what you've been saying for a month. This is how you splinter a locker room. Yeah, this is how you splinter a locker room. And the 49ers, think of it right now. Trey Lance completed 46.4% of his passes. <laughs> 46.4. Now, listen, I know it was bad weather. It was rain. It was bad. It was Soldier Field. It was on the road. It was the Chicago Bears, you know. I mean, I understand that, but there was no George Kittle as well, but 46% of his passes. And it wasn't like they said, hey, Trey, we're going to let you go throw 60 balls today. It wasn't like they were going to do that. They were trying to run the ball. Man, they've got 
issues in San Francisco. Uh, self-inflicted issues. How about Colts-Texans starting the season in a way that makes the rest of the league forget about you by tying? And at one point, Lovey Smith decided to punt instead of going for the win. Because I felt like uh, a tie was better than a loss in that situation. It's a decision that you make. Uh, if we, if you were guaranteed that we were going to get it, then it was good. But if you miss it right there and they had stuffed us on the play, they have one play and they're in position. It's not like we were playing our best defense at the time. We were drained. We were gassed a little bit, so um, that's how it goes. You would like to, you would, in an ideal world, you don't want a loss, you want to win, but if you can't get the win, and you know, sometimes you sell for the tie. A lot of football left to go in the season. Look, you always go for the win, right? But uh, let me give let me give this tip to Lovey. Lovey, with the team you inherited, the tie is always going to be your best option. Yeah, <laughs> you can go 0-0 and seventeen. Take it. You know, it's amazing. This game, the Colts Texans game, really reminded me so much of what we saw last night. As a matter of fact, I mean, think about this: the Colts ran ninety plays, Basinonians ninety. They had over 500 yards of offense. Matt Ryan threw for 352. Jonathan Taylor rushed for 161 yards. And they tied the Texans? What happened? They were 2 of 5 in the red zone. That's what happened. Just like last night, the Denver Broncos twice fumbling the ball over to the Seattle Seahawks inside the Seahawks' five-yard line. I saw a great tweet. I don't remember who it was from after that game because the Colts were down 20-3 to going into the fourth quarter. And they said the Colts are the only team in football where running the ball is an option when you're down by three scores. And it's the best option. And sure enough, Jonathan Taylor leads them right back and they end up getting a tie. I mean, I'm sure the Colts aren't very happy with the tie, but it's better than the alternative. How about uh, Vikings, Packers, Minnesota, a 23-7 win. Second straight year, the Packers looked terrible in their first game of the season, although Christian Watson could have had a long touchdown on it. What I believe was the first play from scrimmage for the Packers just flat out dropped it. Here's Aaron Rodgers. I mean, you knew this was going to be growing fans. This is the real football, you know, it counts. It's different. There's nerves. I thought Christian ran a great route to start the game. You know, we talked about it during the week. Do you really want to start off with a bomb shot? I said, yeah, what the hell? Why not? You know, this kid can really fly. Let's give him a chance. I was teasing Patrick after the game that we got him. He said, yeah, I wasn't quite warmed up yet. But uh, we got to make those plays. But but those are going to happen. It's the mental mistakes that we really got to clean up, and there was too many uh, across the board. Think about this right here. Justin Jefferson had 158 yards receiving in the first half. He's ridiculous. We're talking about one of the best defenses in the NFL. I think by the end of the year, the Green Bay Packers are going to show they're one of the best defenses in the NFL. Now, we'll really? have to wait and see. Okay. Yeah. No, I think they're... They didn't play a lot of guys in the preseason either. No, they did not. Great and start. just to see that, man, Justin Jefferson, though, what a freak. This guy. Yeah. Um, Aaron Rodgers just had the look on his face, if you haven't seen it, because he puts the ball perfectly in Christian Watson's hands. And after an offseason where a trade 
training camp of complaining about his young receivers for that to be the first play. It was, uh, I guess, oddly fitting. Mike Tomlin and the Steelers win. They, uh, I was, I was fascinated by the fact that they're over under is seven and a half this season, Wolf, which means Vegas expects Mike Tomlin to have his first losing season of his NFL career. Well, they've already beaten Cincinnati. Here's Tomlin. Ooh, man, I'm just uh, appreciative of the of the efforts of those those men. Um, I'm not surprised by the fight. I knew they would fight. I found comfort in that. I wasn't looking for comfort, but I found comfort in that. I just seen enough of that. That division's going to be crazy because Pittsburgh's not going to roll over, even if they are overmatched some weeks. Cincinnati just went to the Super Bowl. You you said it last week. Their offense might even be better this year. Baltimore looks good. Cleveland's just trying to hang around until they get to Sean Watson. It's who knows in that division. First of all, Mike Tomlin is such a great coach. Yes, he he's just great. I, did anyone give seriously the Steelers a chance of beating the Cincinnati Bengals, who were the AFC champions last year in Cincinnati? I I didn't. All right, especially with their quarterback situation, I did not. Yeah. Um, man, this was awesome. And and Joe Burrow, by the way, did he look like the guy from last year? He did not. He forced way too many balls. He turned the ball over five times, four interceptions, had a pick six. Should have played in the preseason, Wolf. <laughs> I was just I'm double-checking Maloney's list. Okay, yeah, Joe Burrow's on the list of guys that didn't play in the preseason. He did not even look like Joe Burrow. That's know, hard. If some teams are going to play preseason games, maybe all the teams should, uh, instead of just yielding a competitive advantage to your opponent going into week one. All right. Coming up next, we're going to take you through the top stories of the day with Wolf and Down Your Lunch. It's the Wolf and Luke Show on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station.